0: God is good? All the time? Amen. Well, um, as you can tell, Pastor Jeff's not here. If you're here on Sunday, some of you heard that his father-in-law, Lee, has been in the hospital. He's still been in the hospital. He's actually in critical condition. So he can go at any time. So, of course, it makes sense for him to spend time with family. So what we want to do, church, because we family, right? We family here? Can we all stand and grab a hand? And we're going to pray for Pastor Jeff, his wife, Connie. Uh, Connie's mom, Billy, and just asking God for a miracle. How many of y'all believe in miracles? Do we serve a God who can do the impossible and make it possible? Anyone believe that? Y'all believe that? All right. So let's go ahead and pray. Ask the Lord to intervene. Father God, we thank you that from the very beginning of time, you created it all. And so we're standing here as your creation, interceding on behalf of our pastor and his wife, Connie, and Connie's dad, Lee. Lord, you know this man. And Lord, that this man knows you. And so whatever the outcome is, he's going to be in your presence on earth as it is in heaven, God. So we just pray and we believe by faith, God. We have a a little bit of faith, God. So we're asking for more faith to believe. We pray for a miracle, God. Would you just uh, right now drain the fluid in his lungs right now, God? You can do that, Lord. Would you give wisdom to the physicians? God, who you use the medication? I pray for the family that's surrounded there, Lord, that this would draw them closer to you than ever. And we pray right now that Lee would experience your Holy Spirit right now, fall afresh upon him, that he would know that he's not alone, God. Though he may be laying down in a hospital bed, you're there cradling, you're there embracing him right now, God. So we pray, Father, that you would do as you will. And we trust you, God. So thank you for this night, God. Would you just bless your word, God. Penetrate our hearts, Lord. Soften our hearts even tonight, Lord. We love you so much, God. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. 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 Give someone a high five and say, nothing's impossible for God. Amen. Tell them that. Nothing's impossible for God. Amen. Amen. Awesome. While you're doing that, turn to the book of Acts chapter 3. We're going to be looking at 10 verses tonight. Um, and, and it's kind of appropriate, this whole idea of miracles, this whole idea of healing, this whole idea of being set free. Uh, that there's power in the name of Jesus. Can I get amen? amen? The The beautiful thing that we get to talk about tonight is Jesus. Amen. And, and so as we look at these passages in Acts chapter 3, I pray that as we look at it, you would understand that God's power in your life I love this, that the things that we read in the Bible aren't just in the Bible, but they're in our life, brothers and sisters. Do you guys believe that? that? That he is doing a work in our life. He who began the good work in you, he'll be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. God does not change up on you. You change up on God. Can I get an amen on that, right? You know how to change up. You know everything's based on how you feel and who got up late and, and why is the coffee cold. It's all about that. But he's never And never will. He will always be faithful. In Acts chapter 3, we're uh, reading about a couple characters here Peter, John, and a lame man. Verse 1 starts Now, when Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of the prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Go ahead and underline. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him, verse 7, by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10. Then they knew it was the man who sat, it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can I get a wow? That's that. When we read the Bible, that should be our response, like, whoa, that's, 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 that's awesome. And so, as we're looking at this story, how many of you here have read this story before, heard this story before, right? It's very familiar to us. And if you haven't, this is your first time reading, and I pray that God uh, opens up your eyes to something. If you've read this before, I pray that God shows you something new, something special, something for you. See, the Bible is not merely just to be read as history, but it's his story. So, as we read this, realize it's his story for us. See, it's a story about this lame man. And Peter and John, the apostles, they they were sent. Apostle means one who is sent. They were sent by God, by Jesus, to do a great work. And here now, in chapter 3, we see that they're going to the temple to pray. That makes sense. Men of God go to the temple to pray. But at the, the Jewish temple, that was tradition. They would pray a couple times, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And right before the hour, of prayer would be the hour of sacrifice. And so typically, those of the Jewish faith would bring their sacrifice and, and offer that up to God. But because of Jesus, Peter and John knew, we don't need a sacrifice anymore. What? Jesus was our Sacrifice. So they maintain that hour of prayer, that hour of power, right? And the way it would be broken down in that hour of power, the first 15 minutes would just be like silent meditation, just being in awe of God, just saying, God, you're so good, God, you're so faithful. And that would lead to petitions. Let your requests be made known to God for about half an hour. So that's 45 minutes. And the last 15 minutes would just be worship adoration, It would just be uh, singing out to God whatever was filling their house, and I I love this because this is actually a good uh, a good model for us as we pray. As I pray, God, thank you. You are dot dot dot. You fill in the blank. Can we do that? I'm going to say you are, and you can shout out whatever it is. You are awesome, awesome, right? And then what happens as a result of me being reminded of how great God is? What's going to happen? I'm going to want to cast my cares on him, right? He's been good. He's been faithful. So you know what? I'm going to share my petitions. I'm going to list out my prayer requests. And as I cast my cares on him, the next best thing I want to do, I just want to praise him. Give him praise. Amen? Give him praise. Not man, him. As we look at this model of prayer, I also think that Peter and John, they were pretty strategic if you think about it, during that time and frame, Christianity, followers of Christ, little Christ was very, it's, it was a very small population. Most of the area was Jewish. And so where could they go? It's kind of like, all right, let's go on a mission trip. We're going to go to the temple. I love this. Going to the temple was, I'll, I'll use the word missional. They went there with a purpose. They went to a place that people had a knowledge of God. They had religion, but not relationship. What a great place to go. They knew who God was from uh, the Old Testament, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so I started thinking about this. I started thinking about Paul, early in the book of Thessalonica, that's where he did. He went to the temple because they knew. So, church, let me ask you this Has God moved you lately? Maybe it was a layoff or a move up or a transfer transfer or relocation. Maybe you're thinking, God, why did you allow this? Well, maybe he's sending you on a mission. Maybe you've moved to a new home or maybe a different block or neighborhood and you wonder, God, why why are you allowing this? Why are you putting me in this place? Because you are on mission. God has called you to be missionaries. You don't have to go on a mission trip to be a missionary, because guess what? Your mission comes from him. So regardless of what you do, we are all doing the missionary lifestyle. And I'll tell you this. When you find what God's called you to do, you've got a purpose. You have something burning in your heart. There are some of you here who maybe your profession is like in the medical field. Any doctors and nurses in the house of God say amen. Okay, good. So, that's a passion that you have. See, whatever that that is passionate in your life, you'll be energized by that. As believers, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. We were lost, and now we're found. And guess what? He says, now you go and seek and save that which was lost. Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple to pray. And they stumble upon, and I use the word stumble loosely... A certain man, verse 2 says, A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. So here is this man who's been lame from birth. This is a couple thousand years before modern medicine. So they didn't have any technology, they didn't have any medication to help him. And so this man who is paralyzed... A bit incomplete, a bit imperfect. He's there, and he's at the beautiful gate. He's unable to walk, unable to work, and someone him carried outside. It was, was kind of ironic. Here we have this beautiful gate, Josephus is... Jewish historian said it was about 75 feet tall, made out of brass, double doors. So here's this beautiful entrance to the temple and right to the side of this beautiful gate is a lame beggar. Kind of a contrast. And I believe it's there for a purpose. And I believe... There's a lot of that going on in our world today. Something grand and beautiful and all to the other side is something that's out of whack, almost doesn't belong, right? Do you remember uh, there used to be this magazine, this is going to date me here, it's called Highlights when you're a kid, right? And then it has like this jumbled picture and you have to find these different elements of things that don't belong there, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right, so somebody's with me here. But, but the whole idea is like, find the objects that are out of place. There's a lot of things in this world that are out of place, and guess what? We need to find them and put them in the right place. And the right place is in a right relationship with Jesus. Weren't you out of place? Weren't you an outsider at some point in time? Weren't you the one off to the side trying to look in and see what's going on over there? And what God do... Come on in. Come on home. See, this blind beggar was by this beautiful gate. And as he was there, he entered in. And see, he was asking alms. He couldn't work. He couldn't sustain himself. So people would carry him and drop him off there day after day after day after day. And it was strategic because as people are walking to pray to God, they have to pass this lame crippled paralyzed beggar and part of judaism at the time was because you're a good jew when you see one who's asking for alms for anyone who's begging looking for a donation you as a good jew you would look in your pocket and give him something so it was almost like he was put there guaranteed that he would be fed that he would have his sustenance So whoever put him there knew, if we put him by the beautiful gate, if we put him by a place where people are going to go pray, guess what? He's going to make some dinero. He's going to make some money. We know that. That's a guarantee. As he is there waiting for donations from people, his life consisted of sitting and waiting. Every day he would receive a quick fix, a monetary donation, To help him survive for that day. But the interesting thing is, guess what? The next day, he needs another handout. And the next day, another handout. And the next day, another handout. Imagine with me here. Here is this man sitting, watching all these people go into the house of God, joyful, going into the presence of God, and he is stuck. And all he could do is maybe look inside. I think that's kind of where a lot of people are in our world today. There is this term that we use. So close, but yet so far away. You're on the edge, you're on the brink, but you're not entirely there. There's a lot of people in our world who are doing a lot of things to stay busy. See, This blind, no, I'm sorry, this this lame man by the beautiful gate, as he was there, he saw people experiencing God. He saw people coming into the presence of God. But in our world today, we're way too busy trying to earn money to live the beautiful life. Maybe it's not a beautiful gate, but we want the beautiful life, right? The white picket fence, the two-and-a-half dogs, you know, they're all in the sort, right? <laughs> so, but there's people who what? Let's not even look at that. People climbing the, 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 the ladder of success, trying to obtain prosperity. There's people who are trying to maintain their youth. They're investing in their body and body parts. They're working out their body so they, they can maintain their beauty, There's people even today that are searching for love in all the wrong places. Because their idea is one day I can have my dream come true. One day my Prince Charming will come rushing in on a white horse and sweep me away. It's just a fairy tale, ladies. (laughs) There is only one who's going to come one day to sweep you away and just bring you back to your home. And that's Jesus. Right? So... As I start to think about this, there's even some who are clocking in their religion time card, trying to be good and trying to do good and fall short of the glory of God. So not too different. So close, but yet still so far away. Anyone relate to me on that? Anyone been there? The book of Haggai... Uh, let's turn there real quick. It's the Old Testament. It's right after Zephaniah. If you don't know, um, just pretend you open your Bible. Is there. Or check the index. It's there. It's there, right? But I want to read this to you because Haggai is this prophet. And the whole dilemma in this passage is God's house is in a shambles. God's house, no one's taking care of it. And everyone is prospering, everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone's concerned with me, myself, and I. And the house of God is being left alone. And in the book of Haggai, chapter 5, it says, Now therefore says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he, he who earns wages, earn wages to put it in a bag with holes. So this ID here, Haggai saying, consider, think about the way you live in Think about what you're investing in. Think about what you're spending your time, Pastor Jeffs always says, your time, talent, and treasures in. What, what if we were to l- evaluate what your week look like, looks like, what would all your time and your talent and treasures, you, what would be invested in? Family? Work? Social events? Hobbies? Habits? What would our life look like? How hey, you guys talking here and say, guys, church, followers of Jesus, consider your way. think about how you're living. Think about what you're doing with your life. Are you doing anything with your life? There's this old school song by the Rolling Stones, is a I can't get no dun-dun-dun. What's the word? All you guys listen to that? Yeah, all right, so. That song was about getting satisfied. The gospel says, For what profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his? It profits you nothing. And we have a world outside these doors that are seeking and serving other gods, that are bowing down to other idols. That's not the Lord. See, there's nothing wrong in taking care of your needs. There's nothing wrong. But the problem is when your need for stuff surpasses your need for God. That's the issue. When the things that you aspire, the things that you gravitate towards become your idols. There is a quote by Paul David Tripp that says, everything, every awesome thing in creation is designed to point you to the one who alone is worthy of capturing and controlling the awe of your searching and hungry heart. All of us are in search of the awe factor. He writes this book, like that the fact that what causes like a whoa, right? Maybe a beautiful sunset, maybe the snow-capped mountains, maybe an infant crying. There's things that make us go, wow, God, you're so great. One of God's purposes is for us to see these things, but have it point towards heaven. And not towards ourselves or anybody else. See, there are many people who are near the entrance of the beautiful gate, but they're unable to enter in and experience it. And why? They're crippled. They're handicapped. They're paralyzed. They can't move. Maybe, maybe you get it. You're trapped. You're bound. You're in bondage and you can't move. And everything within you is trying to move, but you can't. And you see everybody going in, coming out, experiencing God, but you're still stuck. That's the story of this lame man. He's stuck, can't get out. I think it's kind of funny, though. They place him right next to the entrance of the beautiful gate. That's so key. It's no different than today. Anyone go to your local grocery store lately? Isn't there always someone outside soliciting? Right? Hey, sir, could you fill out this petition here, you know, on saving the whales and trees and penguins? You know, I mean, right? Or they have the, ch- the kids who have, you know, uh, candy bars that they're selling, right? And I love it. I have to make a confession. Can I make a confession? There are times that I purposely avoid them. Anyone else? come on, all right, all right. I've, I've got this through a science. You know how I do it? When I'm, I see them when I come in, and they like, can you do that? yeah, like, yeah, 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 Right? I go in, right? And I'm ex- exiting now. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? They're going to be right there. They're going to be right there. Anyone know what I'm talking about, right? And what I strategically do sometimes, I'm sorry, I'm even confessing this, okay? I see someone ahead of me, Right? I see someone ahead of me. Okay, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna walk on the side of them so they don't see me. Right? They'll talk to this person first. You all laughing because you do the same, right? Right? <laughs> it's like we're walking the same time. I was like, woo. Or you do? I'm so busy. I have so much, and you're looking at your phone. How do you do that? You're shopping your cards, like tunnel vision, right? You pass them by. But there's one time I do stop. You know when that is Girl Scout cookie season, right? (laughs) Samoa's and Thin Mints and whoo! Interesting. That catches my attention. I I gravitate towards that. You know why? Because I love my belly. You know, I mean, that's why I gravitate towards that. Cause it tastes good. Why is that so important? See, this lame man, he wanted to be supported in his current condition, which was being crippled is because he's paralyzed. And so they strategically put him there because it was almost a, a for sure deal that this man's going to be taken care of. We put him every day here because you know what? They thought if he's here every day, guess what? We don't have to take care of him. Someone else will take care of his problem, not us. He wanted to be sustained and maintained, but God wanted to change, completely change his condition. So this is what happens next. Verse 3, it says, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he's asking for alms. He's, He's begging and he's saying, this lame man does what he normally does every day. He sees these two men walking into the temple to pray. He sticks out his hand or his cup expecting for some response and this is the response and fixing his eyes on him and this is Peter and fixing his eyes on him with John Peter said look at us that whole idea that word fixing is fastening it's beholding it's gazing intently it's it's not a casual glance it, it's not just a double take it's like looking with intent, with purpose it's kind of like when you think you kind of recognize somebody from a distance. Anyone do that, right? You're looking at them. Is that them? Is it them? It kind of looks at them and the person and it's not, it's the wrong person to look like. Why is that person staring at me? Why are they, right? Why are they mad dogging me? Why are they eyeballing me? What's going on, right? What this look was, it's fixing. It's the idea that I'm going to talk to you. I've got something to share. There's something that I need to talk to you about. They were looking upon this lame man with purpose. And I'm sure Peter and John, this is not the first time they're going to the temple. If this man was here every day, guess what? They probably would have seen him. If this man was here for many, many years, they would have seen him. And they were probably in a rush, like some of us, to a prayer meeting. And you know those Holy Spirit moments, you know what I'm talking about? Where the Holy Spirit says, stop, don't move, talk to them, pray for them, do something, right? And it's almost in in their tracks, the Holy Spirit says, stop, put on the brakes, talk to him. What's about to happen here is this, this interruption becomes now a holy moment, becomes a divine appointment. This year, let's, let's keep in mind to have that vision to be observant. What do I mean about that? Um, open your eyes. Look around. Uh, on the on-ramps, on-ramps, on the off-ramps, under the four or five underpass right here, there's a woman who's been there for about a couple months. In the beginning, you're like, oh, wow. And myself, in the beginning, I dropped up some stuff, tried to talk to her. She's not mentally there. And what starts to happen after weeks, I don't even notice her. But I'm not t- talking about an underpass. Maybe in her neighborhood. Maybe in her workplace. They're just there. And after a while, and this is one gonna hurt. Maybe even in your home. You just get used to them being there and you don't even notice. See, that's what happened with this man. Peter and John are, are guilty of it. Not until this day did they recognize oh, here's this crippled man. And what happens next? That the un that the common now becomes uncommon. And Peter says, look at us. Make eye contact with us. Church, can we do this? Every day that you wake up, say, Lord, help me be flexible to whatever you want today. If there's an interruption, if there's a divine appointment, if there's a miracle about to happen, I don't want to miss it. Right? And the only way that happens is when my eyes are wide open looking around for that next big thing to happen. Because you know what? Our God does big things. And there is a next big thing that's going to happen. I just don't want to miss out on that. And the way that I don't miss out on that is because I'm in constant prayer. Lord, show me today what I'm supposed to do. God, show me who I'm supposed to speak to. God, show me how I'm supposed to serve my coworker. God, show me how I'm supposed to love on my child. Don't miss out on those moments that God gives us. And here's a famous verse, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. What I'm going to give to you is the name of Jesus. Peter and John says, we got no money, no mula, no dinero, nada. Nothing. But we got something for you. If you rewind to Luke chapter 9, remember in that passage, Jesus trains them. He says, You will heal the sick. So this is not a surprise to Peter and John. John, Jesus told them. They were in training. Do you realize those three years? Jesus, Jesus was investing, he was discipling the disciples so that when he departed, when he ascended, that these disciples could do what he's called them to do, no different than us. You've been called to heal the sick. You've been called to, to help open the eyes of the blind. You've been called to set the prisoners free. You've been called. Peter and John tell this man, silver and gold, we don't have. But I could imagine this man sitting there, lame, crippled. He's almost like, so why do you want my attention? He's almost, you got the money? You're t- trying to talk to me, get my attention. People are passing by. You're messing up with my groove here, man, right? Could you? I mean, that's probably what he's thinking. You're not going to give me any money. So you're wasting my time. Peter says, ah, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. See, they wanted to see him transformed. They wanted to see him touched. By the hand of God. See, church, it's not simply making our world more bearable or people more bearable. What we, what we need to do, church, is to purposely allow the Holy Spirit and the work of God and the Word of God to penetrate our hearts and our minds so that we're radically changed. That's what we're, that's what we're doing, you know? Do you realize every Sunday morning, every Thursday night, every Sunday night, you are being discipled by Pastor Jeff? Anyone here in the past couple weeks, past month, that you've said things that you heard on this pulpit to somebody else, right? Guess what? It's working. And so so for some of us, the progress is slow. It's still working because you know what? God is working. His word, the work of the Spirit, it is working in you and in me. And in this particular situation, Peter and John says, Silver and Gold, we have none, but this is what we have. And his name is Jesus. Jesus had imparted the Holy Spirit to Peter and John so that they can do this. See, the Holy Spirit was upon them this moment of a miracle. So they knew it wasn't a handout that this man needed, he needed the hand of God. They knew it wasn't a meal, this man needed the Messiah. See, when we look at people, let's not just look at the exterior and what we see. Oh, they're crying. Let me get them a tissue. Yes. But they need a little bit more than a piece of Kleenex to dry their eyes. You see what I'm talking about here? When they saw this man, they didn't say he was just merely crippled or paralyzed. They said he needs Jesus. Peter understood the issue. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's why you stand. That's why you speak. That's why you serve. Not anything of us, but everything of him. See, Peter understood this. I can't give what I don't got. So if we want to give the love of Christ, to this dying world, guess what? we got to say, God, pour it on. The Bible says, Paul says, put on love. How can I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And how can I love my neighbor as myself? God, pour it on. Help me receive your love. And how? In the name of Jesus. We sung it earlier. There is power in the name of? In the name of? In the name of? There is power in a name, isn't there? Yes. You say, you go any public place, and, and you call, it, you say, Jesus, right? People will turn around. If there are believers, like, praise God, you know what I mean? If it's somebody that's not a believer, they like, kind of give you a scowl, kind of like, what are you talking about? Stay away from me, hyper-Christian, you know? Names, there's value to it, right? Uh, just in case, my name is Dennis. And let me tell you the value of my name, right? It uh, comes from some Greek god of wine, all right? That's very, very edifying, right? But the origination of my name within my family is my, my mom grew up in the Philippines, and she used to read comic books. And there was a comic book called Dennis the Menace, yes. So my mom was somewhat of a, uh, what's the word? She was rambunctious, crazy, wild, and she said, if I ever have a son, i bet you, he will be just the same. And so when I was born, my mom looked at me and was like, "I know what I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you Dennis, right? There's, there's, there's a story behind that. But let's look at even titles. in the, in the government, uh, president, uh, prime minister, emperor. It, it, it elicits power, elicits authority in your workplace. Your manager, your supervisor, it causes you to think, okay, there's some power, some authority, right? In your home, if you have little children, mom and dad, whoo, that has some power and authority. But above all that, there's power in the name of Jesus. See? They knew they didn't have this power. Peter and John are kind of looking at each other. Here's a lame man. He's crippled, paralyzed. I wonder what their, conver- I wonder what their side conversation was. I don't know. What are you going to do? I do know. I don't want to do what you're Could you imagine? It's like, uh, 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 Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, let's do, let, let's do the Jesus thing. One, two, three, go. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Bible says they're untrained, uneducated men. I love that. Without the Holy Spirit, that's what it would look like. But with the Holy Spirit... This man is crippled. This man is paralyzed. He's stuck. How do we unstuck him? Jesus. There's power in the name. John chapter 15, verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name. In whose name? He may give you these things I command that you love one another. Maybe I I can help here. Ending our prayer in Jesus' name is not a magic formula. When, When we pray a prayer and it's like, Dear Lord, thank you so much, and in Jesus' name, it's not saying, it's going to be done because it's in Jesus' name. We asked it, right? In Jesus' name means merely we're praying in His authority. We're praying that His will be done. We're praying that He's glorified. Has nothing to do with getting that prayer answered. Because I'll tell you this I've said a lot of prayers that haven't been answered. Anyone relate to me? And you pray and you pray and you weep and you mourn and you cry. And sometimes the situation gets worse. Does that mean God's not God? That just means God has a different plan. So for the woman who's been barren for so many years, does that mean God does not love her? He just means I got a different plan for you. I got plan B. Actually, it's not plan B, it's plan A. You want plan B. Isn't that the case with us? Our God already has a plan. And we're wanting this thing that's on the side because we think it's going to make us happy, and we're wanting this thing over here because we think it's going to satisfy and fulfill us. But God says, this is my will for you. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? Father, <laughs> not my will, but your will be done. In the name of Jesus, he says, rise up and walk. Walk. It's more than a request, it's more than a favor, it was a command. As Peter is speaking to this man who is sitting down, could you imagine this man who's been crippled from birth, and he says, rise up and walk. This, this man, this unnamed lame man, kind of like, what are you talking about, Peter, right? Walk, rise up, I've never done that. but that's what the power of Jesus can do. I don't know where you're at with the Lord, and I don't know what's going on in your lives, but I know there are some situations that are pretty impossible, because there are in my life. But I know it's not so much what I can do, but everything of what he can do. See, when I stop relying on my ability and even my availability, and I leave that to God's hand... He intervenes. Some of us we're just clinching too tight to some things that God can't even get in there. You know that impossibility. You're, you're, you're trying, you're holding real tight, and God open it. No, because if I open it, I'm gonna lose it. Or you're gonna take it and you're turning it into something else. And God's all, yes. That was a situation with this lame man. He was okay being lame, being crippled. Being paralyzed, God wanted to transform him. God wanted to change him. And how he going to do that? Through Peter and John who said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Jesus says to us, rise up and walk. You've been sitting down too long. Like the prodigal son, kind of slumming it. Kind of just being Settled. He was almost settled in his spot by the gate. Like some of y'all sit in the same spot every Thursday, every Sunday. God's i move. Do something. Some of y'all even try to get the same. I see, some of, I see all the cars. Some of you guys try to park in the same spot, too. I see it, right? And I see some of you, you if someone's parked in your spot, you kind of look, kind of mad dogs, like, did you not know that's my spot? Like, you don't own this, Right? <laughs> I, I think about, we, 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 we settle for average and mediocre sometimes. Do you know why? Because sometimes we get really tired. How many guys use this word? Well, whatever. Right? Well, whatever. I guess. For a child of God, that's unacceptable, isn't it? I should expect great things from my God. Because he's good and he's faithful and he's loving. Like that should be my expectation. My standard of men, my expectation right here, my expectation of God, the Bible says my expectation comes from the Lord. So it's going to be good. If it's coming from the hand of God, it's not going to just be good, it's going to exceed my expectations. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all we could ever ask or think, according to the power that works in us, God wants to blow your mind away. Can you do this with me? God wants to do this. Put your hand like here. Go. God wants to. You got to do it. Okay, if you don't do it, I'm going to have you come up here right now. Okay, ready? One. On the count of three. One, two, three. Just don't spit like I did, right? Okay. God wants you, to, wants to blow our mind. I'm almost kind of like, what? How did you? What happened? How, how is that possible, God? So this is how it plays out. I love this because God uses Peter and John. And this is, this is us. Silver and gold we have not, but we got this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter speaks it. But guess what? It's more than just speaking it. Because this man is crippled. He can't get up by himself. So what does the next verse say here? Right? Verse 7. And he, this is Peter, took him by the right hand and lifted him up. This requires faith, my brethren and sisters. It's one one thing to tell somebody, get up. Get up. Come on. You can do it. How many many of you like that, right? Come on, you can do it. Yeah, you're not that tired. Get up. You can, right? But it's another thing to say, pick them by the hand, Bible says the right hand, and lift them up. (coughs) That not only required faith of the crippled man, but that required faith of Peter. Because what if, I wonder if Peter's singing it, what if I lift him up and he doesn't get up? What if it doesn't work? What if I pray? What if I fast? What if I sacrifice and it doesn't work? I'm prideful. I, 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 I'm going to look like a fool, right? If, I, if, if it doesn't work, then what? That's our walk of faith, isn't it? We walk by faith, not by... A couple of years ago, we were on a mission trip in Haiti... It was a couple years after the earthquake. And uh, their church in Haiti was a big circus tent. And when we were there, uh, there was a hurricane that was coming. Real bad hurricane. Almost to the point where we had to evacuate. And so because of the hurricane, we had to remove the sides of this big circus tent. But also the, the, the top, the roof of it. And... This place was huge. It held about 200 people. So you could imagine maybe the size of this center area. That's how big the tent was. So you could imagine the roof part. I don't know. What do you guys call the roof of that? A tent. A tent roof? Tent roof? Whatever. Okay, so the tent roof, imagine the circumference, the area of that. So the pastor says, okay, we got to pull the tent roof off or else a hurricane will blow it off. I'm like looking, and there's like three, four of us, and they got two ladders. (laughs) I'm like, uh, okay, you can go, and you can go, right? I mean, so we we go up, and on the count of three, ready? uh, Nothing. It went, boop. You just do that like that, right? Okay, get on the other side. One, two, three. uh, Boop, right? And we're like, oh, man. And and you know that party is like, it's not going to work. And part of you is like, hurricane, just blow it off. Just blow it off. And wherever it ends up, I mean, you're just thinking you're there for half an hour. And it's like, and of course, the youngest person on the team, well, maybe we should pray. Duh, pastors, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? And I kid you not. And it was one of those things. And I said, you know what, God, be glorified through this. We have faith. You can do the impossible, Right? One, two, three. And seriously, this strange wind lifts it off and carries it over halfway so we could pull it off. That was an example of the gift of faith. That's what Peter was experiencing here. He didn't know how it was going to turn out, but what the Holy Spirit impressed upon his heart was like, I'm I'm going to help him up. I'm going to believe by faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about these spiritual gifts, right? The gift of faith is a supernatural ability to trust God in a particular situation. That he's going to do something completely out of the ordinary. It doesn't happen all the time. I've only experienced it a couple times in my Christian walk. But you know what? It helps me to say, God, you're going to do it. Even in the situation with Pastor Jeff and Connie, I don't know. But God does. And we trust him. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. The Bible says that immediately his feet and ankle bones strengthen, And maybe they were permanently dislocated. Who knows what. But they somehow joined together. And this is the key. And the title of this night's study was Lame Men Can Leap. Because what happens? Verse 8. So he... This little lame man, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Can I say, wow, that's a miracle, right? A man crippled, paralyzed from birth. Here's a couple words from two guys going to a prayer meeting, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And he's helped by one of the men. He's leaping right? When I hear that word leaping, I, I think it's, it's joyful, right? If you've been with us on Sunday morning, Pastor Jeff going, uh, has been going through the book of Luke, uh, there's one other person who leapt. Leapt? Leaped? Leaped? I always forget that mixed up. He, that, that leaped in the Bible. Remember Elizabeth? She had the baby in the oven, right? You know who was that baby? John the Baptist. You know what happened when she saw Mary? What did the baby do? He leaped. I was like, whoa. When we enter into the presence of God, we should leap. What was lame is now leaping. So, can I share this with you, church? Oftentimes, in our impossible situation, God wants to do the impossible. Do you realize His hand is never too short to reach? Whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be enduring or persevering through, his hand is never, ever going to be short. He's never going to be like, ah, ah. That's not in God's vocabulary. Can I tell you that? That's in our vocabulary, but not his. The Bible says that he stood and walked in the temple. And I wonder how he walked. You ever read the Bible and you kind of visualize if they made a movie, what would that be like? So he's crippled and he leaped, right? And he's walking in the temple. And one was like, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm walking. Could you imagine? He was like, Yeah, you saw me by the side of the beautiful gate and now I'm walking. The Bible says, And he was praising God, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, who knows what he was praising, but. There was a transformation because of the power of the name of Jesus. Verse 9 and 10 and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It was visible. To the people seeing him moving around and worshiping, they were able to connect the dots and say, wasn't this the guy for all these years sitting by the beautiful gate? And now he's leaping and worshiping and praising God. How is he able? What happened? How did he? I want that. The power of your story. Your testimony. His testimony was, I was lame, but now I leap. Right? That's his testimony. What's yours? It doesn't say what the people said or did, but it did say this. It says that they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. We say wow to the miracle And the onlookers, the people on the sidelines go, wow, what just happened here? Jesus. Church, when we've been touched by the Savior, there's no turning back, is there? when we've been uh, impacted and I'll use the word infected (laughs) in a good way by his Spirit and by his word, right? We can't hold it in. We got to let people know, see, we can't hide the word from the world. We can't because in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. We can't, we can't, you know, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, this man, this crippled, paralyzed, lame man, his testimony stands to this day. And God used Peter and John to bring that to come to pass. And as God used Peter and John, guess what? He wants to use you. He wants to use me. Do you realize, just think of your life, all those people God has used instrumentally in your life? Because at one point, you were lame, right? You were crippled. You were paralyzed. You were in bondage. But now we've been set free. And so tonight, as we close our time in light of God's word um, maybe tonight you've been a bit lame maybe you've been hurting maybe heartbroken and God's saying uh, rise up and walk you've been down too long maybe there's this one area of your life that you have not let go of bitterness or a grudge and, you, and you've been holding on to it real tight and God says let it go so I can heal it. Because what's your other option? Sitting by the beautiful gate, watching everyone walk in. That's the other option. Church, it's time for us to rise and to walk and to get up and do what God's called us And I believe tonight there's, I'm going to say something, there's all of us who need to do that. Amen? And I thought it would be appropriate for us just to pray. And uh, as the pastors come down, a couple things. Maybe the night you've never given your life to Jesus, this is the night. You don't want to be lame anymore. You don't want to be crippled. This is the night that you say yes to Jesus. You say no to everything else, and you say yes to Jesus because he's saved us from all things. And maybe tonight you're the one, you're the, you're the prodigal son, and you know where you need to go. You need to go back home. And maybe you're the spouse or parent of a prodigal maybe tonight you just need to grab someone and pray for my daughter right now i don't know what she's doing but i know she needs you and i'll say this even today maybe there's there's an episode or, or you need to be physically healed of something tonight's the night this is a healing service when i first heard the name that that term in the name of jesus it was at a pentecostal healing service People are coming up like, in the name of Jesus, be healed, right? And people will fall back, right? And whether it was true or false, I do know this, that the Spirit of God was there. And the Spirit of God is here. And he wants to heal. And he wants to touch. And he wants to do a work in our hearts, church. We just got to rise up and walk. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your church, your bride, your love. Thank you, God, that you love us with an everlasting love. And I pray right now for each and every single one of us that are here tonight, God. You know where we stand with you. You know what has caused us to be paralyzed, Lord. Maybe some relationship, maybe something in our life that has caused us to to be stunted in our growth and we can't move any further, God. And tonight, you're really prompting us to move. You're prompting us to stand. You're prompting us to rise up. So, Lord, would you call us out tonight, God? <laughs> Maybe tonight, God, we, we've been hearing our names, but we've been stubborn. We've been, we've been prideful. We've, we've been arrogant in a bit. And, and you're just calling us to come back home, come back to that place we need to be. So, Lord, would you speak to our hearts tonight, Lord? Thank you for your amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? As the pastors are here, uh, I dare you, rise up and walk. Get some prayer tonight. Get a healing. See, the issue isn't answered prayer. The answer is prayer drawing me closer to God. That's what the issue is tonight. And so church, meet with your God. Call out to him. Ask him for help. And so tonight, if you're here and you need to rededicate your life, give your life to Christ, just stand up right now and make your way down here. If you need a healing, this is a this is place you need to be. Nowhere else. This world's got nothing for us. It's found in Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.